0: ashi puki gi chuk shing rira blink nyande gyan padi sangye shing du mik te Shingla var guru ratna mandala kam Sange Chudang Soki Choknam La Jungchu Dakni Kyam Su Chi Daki Chen Yen Pe Sunam Ki Jola Penchir Sange Drupa Shok Sange Chudang Soki Choknam La Changchu bardu dakni kiapsu <laughs> chi Dakhi chanyengi pe sunam ki Jo la bhen shir chudang choknam la <laughs> Changchu bardu dakni kiapsu chi Daki chenyang gi pe su ki, jola penchier sang jupai. Just let go of any thoughts you're hanging on to. Start to relax your focus into your body. Start at the crown of your head. Scan down your body and relax wherever you can. The more relaxed your body is, the better. And just spend however long you need to at each point that you come across. Peeling away any stresses from the day or that you're carrying with you. Landing in the present moment. There's nowhere to go, nothing to think about. focus to your breath at the lower belly. And let your mind, your awareness relax in that space of the body. Whenever there's a thought or some storyline that we go after, there's a contraction in the mind. Staying in the present, on one object is relaxing. whatever thoughts you grab onto and just coming back over and over to the breathing the movement of the belly Bring your focus really clearly to the breath of the belly. Now, when you're ready, releasing the meditation, and start to. Move application All right, all right. Last class, and we're gonna, we're gonna. I think we can do. I think we can do it. We're gonna do two. Okay, so we're going over a bunch of contemplations tonight. Get to the class news, and I really, I really love all of these classes. I think they're so great, and it's really nice. Be able to go over them again myself. They're just so helpful in everyday life. Mm-hmm. And it's really amazing that Geshe Michael taught all these and then Mama Me taught them, which is how we have them today. So it's really great and really grateful to both of them. Um, okay, so it's the last class of the Bodhisattva's Way of Life, Patience, Joy, and Meditation. Today's Wednesday, June 26th. So we're going to go through Class 9, which is Treating Others as Yourself, and Class 10, Exchanging Yourself with Others. So I think the plan, if we get Class 9 done, by the time we take a break, then we'll be that will be good and we can get class 10 done after that. So I think that'll work. Um, let me see what page we have to get to to be done with nine. Okay, so we're kind of continuing from what we talked about before, which was learning how to feel others' pain and happiness and feel feel about them the same way that we do about our own. To care about them the same, which is actually a very radical thought. And um, I don't think I've really ever heard it that way except for in these teachings, really. Um, And we talked about this last time too. The question naturally comes to mind is how can we learn to care about their pain so much or their happiness because we don't feel it? Um, I don't feel their pleasure, but I do feel my own. I do feel my own pain and my own pleasure. And the answer that Master Shanti gave was with practice, other people's pain can become intolerable to you even though you can't feel it. So that's that's what we're doing. So much of what we are depends on what we decide we, that we are. What we decide is a me is arbitrary, it's not fixed. And Master Shanti Deva will say this again tonight. Did, did you did you practice trying to think of someone else as yourself? How did that work? It yeah. <laughs> It is. It's hard because it's kind of tricky, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, tonight we'll we'll revisit this idea, though, and then some other techniques to get bodhisattva. And we're still in the chapter on meditation. Okay. Okay, so the first contemplation... Contemplation 19, being beyond oneself. Suppose you say that the reason why you don't protect them is that their pain doesn't hurt you. Why then do you protect yourself from future pain since it doesn't do hurt to you either? Your idea that you do so because you think to yourself that you will have to experience it is all wrong, because the person who has already died is one person and the one who's taken birth is another altogether. And suppose that any particular pain were only something a particular particular one had to care about. If this were the case, then a pain in the foot would do nothing for the hand. Why then does it care? Suppose you say that although that's wrong, you engage in this case due to the fact that you hold onto a self. This self and other, though, are very wrong and nothing but something you should reject with all the strength you have. Okay. Now, Master Shanti Deva gives a second argument for why you should protect others from suffering even though you can't now feel their pain yourself. And he replies with a sarcastic question he says, why do you protect yourself from future pain as you don't feel that now either? So as an example, if you know that you're going to get yelled at by your boss in the afternoon, you call in sick. So you're helping someone whose pain you can't feel, which is the same as helping other people whose pain you can't feel. And when, we've said this a bunch of times, but um, Geshe-la says it again here. When we get to an argument in Buddhism that seems naive, we better stop and take another look because it probably went right over our head. So it's a good, it's a good like marker that maybe that happened. Our future self is not the same you that exists right here and now. Why worry about that person who will be around in the future? Why invest in their future and why worry about their future life too? Why do that? Because it's just another person whose pain you can't feel. Why take care of your future life? That future life isn't even born yet and you can't begin to feel the happiness or pain of the person that you will be later in this life as well. The future life, is only you due to your conception. That future person is completely separate from you. You cannot feel their pain. Okay, and then going back to. It too from that one, the contemplation we just read. Your idea that you do so because you think to yourself that you'll have to experience it is all wrong. Because the person who has already died is one person, and the one who's taken birth is another altogether. Basically, now you say, but it's me who has to feel that pain in the future. I'll come to feel that pain. And Master Shanti Deva says, no. You were emphasizing that they were a separate person from you. Who could be more separate than some person born in another realm? So we were saying, that I I can't feel others' pain the way that I feel my own, which is why I take care of mine more. And he says, he says, no, because that's not logical. You're taking care of yourself in the future, and you can't feel your pain in the future too. And also, there's all these people sitting next to us, and we're not taking care of them. But we're taking care of someone whose lifetime's away. It doesn't make any sense. It still doesn't totally answer it, but he's getting there. Then he talks about uh, the pain in the foot and the hand. And Master Deva, he's still attacking who we decide to take care of. If we're walking down the street and we get a splinter in our foot, taking our logic to an extreme, um, then you shouldn't bend down and take the splinter out. That's the foot's problem. Let the foot take care of it. And according to you, he's saying, you know, who's not taking care of the people next to you because you can't feel their pain. To take that to an extreme, according to you, then draw the boundaries even shorter Because whatever you decide is you is arbitrary. And now Master Shantideva is getting frustrated because this guy is fighting him, the one in the the contemplations. The foot's the only one with the problem, not the hand. You only feel the pain in the foot. So we probably just think about that one and, and cook it. next contemplation 20 are we only what we control so the things we call a continuum and a collection are unreal they're like a string of things or an army that of one with suffering doesn't exist at all so who is he that could ever control it since the one who owns a pain does not exist There can be no distinctions among them any. If something is a kind of pain, then it's something to remove. What use is saying that it's fixed here? You can't continue your argument of asking why the pains of all are something you must stop. If you're going to stop it, then you must stop all of it. If not, then minds like other beings. So now Master Shantideva goes into a difficult point, but it does make sense. He's saying you might as well learn to see you as extending to other beings and try to work for their happiness and end their suffering. And then he he goes into two parts of a whole. So there's sokpa, say sokpa and zumpa. Sokpa is a collection of parts, like your body is a collection of hands, legs, etc. And zumpa is unreal, artificial. So objects are unreal because they're only a collection of artificial parts. Your mind happens to cover the area of your hands, feet, etc. But it stops at the artificial borders of your body simply because we have that projection coming up. It's just a habit. It's arbitrary. Master Shantideva says Songpas, Sokpas are zumpa. Basically, that means um, the, this clicker is unreal because it's a collection of parts. And what does that mean? It basically means, "I don't worry about others' pain because I don't feel it directly." And then he says, "Well, the hand shouldn't care about the pain of the foot because they're separate." And then we say, "But all but we're all one sompa. Sokpa. My hand and foot are connected to the same body, so it makes sense that my hand takes care of my foot. And Master Shanti Deva says that that's a lie. That's not true. Every collection object is a collection of parts, and collections are all unreal, which will make more sense when we're talking about this. So he mentioned mock, say mock, which is army, a collection of, sh- of soldiers. And we conceive of many soldiers as one army. But a collection of soldiers are not self-existently an army from their own side. Who is it that decides they're an army? It's something in your mind that suggests it, and then you call, call it an army. The big question is, from their own side, are they army? Is anybody, like anybody who ever came to the U.S., would they look at the army and say, oh, that's the army. You know, would they just automatically know? Is it coming from the side of the army? And if it were, then every being would see it that way. Dogs, cats, babies, people from other countries who've never heard of the U.S. or something like that would all see it like that because it would self-existently be army. But it's not. It's your mind that organizes them into army. There's nothing coming from their side that's saying army. It's you who is deciding that this is a clicker. It's nothing by itself. We decide it's a clicker. There's nothing there. It's just colors, shapes, and we organize it, and then we label clicker, or you know, whatever we label it as. And it's, it's not anything from its own side because... An Eskimo that comes in here wouldn't know what this is, maybe, you know. Someone who's never seen this wouldn't know what it is. And then there's also no army here. Like in this picture, there's no army. Otherwise, a two-year-old would see them and say, oh, look, American army. And a cockroach would see the army and think the same thing. Similarly, your collection of body parts into yourself is false and artificial just the same way there's no reason that you can't take care of someone else as you would yourself it's just karma pushing you to see yourself and others as separate which is amazing because that means it can change it's a total totally a lie that you self-existently consist of your body independent of you conceiving yourself as such and this error, is, it's dysfunctional because it's what is causing us to suffer. Just like if your hand decided that it wasn't going to take care of the foot. Because they're different entities. And Master Deva says, don't say that you only take care of your body because it's a lie. You decide there's no me that exists there by itself. Me is fake. You decide where me is. And how do we decide what's what's more intelligent? I'm going to take care of my hand and not my foot. What will make us happier? It's more functional to say, is it more functional to say, I end at my outline of my body, my close friends, my possessions? And the answer is no, it's not, because the the proof is us. We're suffering and it's not functional. It's dysfunctional the way that we're living. It doesn't make you happy and it never will. You have to expand out this idea of me. It has to be everybody. We decide who me is. And so we're the ones who can change it. So we we have a great power because we're the ones who can do that. We can change our mind, we can change the way we see things, and then completely change our world too. And some of these things aren't that big of a deal to change too. Okay, so we covered Sokpa and now about a cue or a stream through time. And the idea of this is me when I'm born and me when I die is, is a stream. Me at 10, 20, 35, 50, that's a gyu. That's me over a time, like over a lifetime. Should, should we ever take care of other parts of our gyu or our stream? Should we take care of ourselves at 50 or 60? So it's our mental stream will have to suffer their pain. So we should take care of other parts of our stream. And Master Davis says, Zoon, which, nice which is unreal, artificial. So what I just said, it's fake, that idea of of having to take care of that me later is a fake. It's just an idea that we're placing on parts, but we're placing it on a stream or throughout time. And then two, say, Truengua. 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 Um Oh, so we kind of got ahead of ourselves a little bit, but um, Trengwa is a string of anything like a rosary, garland, or a string of future lives. And then say, Gua is a stream through time. Your parts also consist of you at different points uh, of a stream in time. And for Trengwa, when you look at a rosary or um, a mala, one bead is not another bead. We generally string together the idea of me at 20, 30, 50, 60, and call it Heather's life. The whole thing, in general, that's how we do it. So that's a string of of Heather at different ages. We say these, these events will be this person and other events will be other people. And why do we do that? Simply because we decide simply because we decided to. The boundary of ourself is artificial and also looking at your life as a string of events is artificial. Master Shanti Shantideva says, don't give me this stuff that I have to take care of my 401k for me in the future. Because we're deciding that. Why is this more important than someone's hunger on the street? We say, but I can't feel that person's hunger. And Master Deva says BS because you can't feel your 401k in the future either. So that's not the reason. You decide that's the reason. And that's what, this way, taking care of the others leads you to total enlightenment and the other one leads to death and suffering. It doesn't work at all. All it does is leads to this 401k that some old, sick, dying person uses. And the other way leads to deathlessness, and you won't have to get old or suffer. And similarly, when we're talking about the string of future lives, when your future life occurs, your current life doesn't exist anymore. Just by definition, it's You're done with your current life when your future life exists. It's only your conception that creates the impression of your same self streaming on. So if we invest our money, some future old person may be rich and then suffer and die in misery, but if we give away our resources, it can lead us to enlightenment. Taking care of ourselves only really just simply doesn't work. It's completely dysfunctional. And it sounds weird to us because we've been told the opposite our whole lives and it's what everybody says in our culture, pretty much everybody. And then gua, the stream through time, our parts also consist of us at different points in a stream of time. And we plan for the needs of our future self all the time going to college um, because we believe that we'll one day be that person who will exist in the future and benefit from that. And actually, the more you practice caring for others and seeing them as you and then helping yourself, the more pleasure you will have conventionally too. And I was doing this a little bit, but I kind of got off of it. Like I just trying to still do it, but I just couldn't still do it for some reason. But when I was, it was really fun. I wasn't doing it for that long, but, um, but it was really fun just thinking, okay, how can I help people? What's, what can I do for other people right now? And then like, I'd text someone who I knew was, had injured themselves. Or I'd email someone, to, you know, if I wasn't around people, I'd email someone to do something or um, plan something for people. or You know, it was just really fun. And this point, the gyua, is that like an army over space and like a rosary over time or mala, you exist only as broadly as you conceive yourself to exist. And in fact, the idea or the very broad conception of yourself as all beings is also unreal and it's illusion, but it's functions really well to get us to enlightenment and even to temporary pleasures in this life there's i mean there's no drawback and it's ironic that we're resisting amazing pleasure and peace the more we practice the better our lives will be the more we take care of others things just get better and better and better for us and you'll never get there unless you expand yourself expand your idea of yourself And in general, if we practice any Buddhist practice seriously for uh, for six months, we should see how it's going to change us and if it's helpful. And if it changes things, then keep going. And if it doesn't, then don't. The caveat is that it must be a serious effort and it must conform to the Buddhist teachings. And what Geshe Michael says is that people usually fail at one or the other. They either don't put forth serious effort and then they blame the Buddhist teachings or they change the teachings and then it doesn't work and they blame the teachings. And you probably, I mean, we've probably seen people do this too. Okay, so we're going stanza two and three, which we already read. I'll reread them. Since the one who owns a pain does not exist, there can be no distinctions among them. Among them, any. If something is a kind of pain, then it's something to remove. What use is saying that it's fixed here? You can't continue your argument of asking why the pains of all are something you must stop. If you're going to stop it, then you must stop all of it. If not, then minds like other beings. meaning any pain anywhere is your responsibility to remove. It's called a simple path um, because you're helping others, which is helping yourself, so it's not a hard thing. It's called delam, which means easy path. Especially with mental afflictions, if you put up with a mental affliction around you in your environment, it doesn't matter whose head it's in, If you know your friend's having a problem with anger, you better do something about it. Sooner or later, it'll come to you if you don't. You cannot ignore anyone else's pain. If the hand ignores the thorn in the foot, sooner or later, the poison reaches the hand. And I can imagine that everyone I see is myself. And then wish all of them the happiness that I want. The same happiness that I want in my heart. Wish it for all other beings. And oftentimes, we don't really know how to help someone. And we try to help, and sometimes it seems like it actually just makes it worse. But we have to do what the best thing is according to our knowledge at any Given moment, otherwise we would never act. If we're going to pick and choose who we help, um, then Master Shanti Deva says you might as well take that to the ultimate. If you're not going to take care of everyone's pain, then stop taking care, sticking care, taking care of your pain too. Contemplation 21, The Power of Habit. By accustoming yourself to the idea, you have learned to think of a few drops of semen and blood that belong to other people as being yourself, even though there's no such thing at all. Why, then, do you say you cannot think of the bodies of other people as being yourself as well. There isn't any difficulty in deciding that the bodies of others are your own body too. Master Shanti Deva said over and over and over, we can do anything if we practice. Any and everything that you believe now is a result of the same process. It's not, it's not that the things that we know are necessarily right or wrong, it's just that they've become a habit. So he says, others' body parts are your own. You can convince yourself of anything through habit and practice. And it's only the habit, it's only by the habit of karmic projection that you consider this particular egg and semen to be you. And then he says also because there's no you from your own side, you could identify through habituation with the happiness and suffering of others just like you care for your own. It is completely possible. It's all arbitrary whether you identify with only you or with you as everyone. You decide arbitrarily to call you you so why not call everyone you and it's it's a very profound point but it's hard one to catch we've arbitrarily decided to call you you so why not call everyone you we've just decided to call this being me why not why not just decide to call everyone me And we know what it feels like to be really in love with someone. And we try to make them as happy as ourselves. And it feels really good. And this practice is the same. It's the same as this. In reality, you and they are only projections of your karma anyways. And it won't seem hard to take, a, take really good care of others as soon as we decide that they're ourselves, Because we take really good care of ourselves. Basically we're deciding, I will be democratic. If anyone anywhere has suffering, it has the same priority as my suffering. All suffering equal. And if I can make happiness in anyone else, if I can, then I'll do it. It's just as important as my own. All happiness, all suffering are equal to my own. Just as important. And I'll go around and I'll smash all the suffering I see. So now we go on to Dakshin Jewa, and we've heard a lot about this one. Say Dakshin Jewa. Dakshin Jewa. Which is exchanging self and others. We learn to cherish others just as much as ourselves. You think, I will shift the concern I have for myself to other people. Instead of taking care of number one, I take care of everyone else. And it's the only democratic thing to do, because they outnumber me, I don't know, seven billion to one or something like that. It's absolutely true, and it, Mostly that point will go over our head, too, because we don't really want to do it, which is ironic. It's the thing that's going to bring us everything that we want, but we have some block. We don't want to do it. So just thinking, who do we cherish? Do we take care of ourselves first, or do we take care of others first? 22 and 23 the sources of all happiness and pain come to understand that for myself it's wrong but for all others an ocean of fine qualities discard completely your habit of caring for yourself and learn to take on every other being when you think of your hands and such you do consider them all a part of your body. So why then don't you consider every creature that has a body as being one of the parts of the what as being one of the parts of the body of all living kind? And for this verse, we kind of need a commentary. Self-cherishing is wrong, cherishing everyone else, he says. Master Deva says, um, like the ocean, in India the ocean was believed to have all these jewels and emeralds and rubies in it and taking care of everyone else first and we'll get that. So it says like an ocean, which has all of these precious jewels. Taking care of everyone else will bring us everything that we've wanted. And it really is a radical idea. If you tell people, unless they're on the same path, they'll they'll think you're crazy. You know, they'll say, "Well, now you have to take care of yourself." And they're the ones who are crazy. It's just it's just completely backwards. So Bodhisattva should always be last on the bus. Let all of them go first. Let them all go first, and I'll be last. What's the worst that can happen? Contemplation 24 on the definition of myself. Because you've gotten used to it, you're able to think it's mine of this body, which actually has no self. Why do you say then you could never learn to think of others as me if you got used to it? If you could then, you would... Never feel that it was strange nor conceited when you worked for others. You don't expect congratulations from yourself when you eat your dinner for yourself. For that reason, you must get used to a state of mind where you protect all beings and to thoughts of compassion as well, protecting them just the same way that you protect yourself, even from the very least unkind word. And I really, I like this point. So I go to Willie's and I buy a milkshake, fries, a burger, and I'm salivating and I'm staring at it. And it's not like I say, good job, Heather. Good job. You got this for yourself. That's such a great job. You know, you got, the, you got this meal for yourself and I'm really grateful to you. It's not like we do that. Master Davis says that we'll get to the point when we take care of someone else that it will just feel so natural to us because by that time, it's like we're feeding ourselves. And then when we take care of them, it's simply taking care of ourselves. So we won't expect like some big congratulations. Say rangi sesu. Rangi sesu. Na rawewa. Na rawewa. Me gab. Mi, gyeb. Mi gyeb. So this basically means you don't hope for something in return when you feed yourself. Contemplation 25 the enemy of the body i really like these poems that are coming up because of your attachment for your body you feel great feelings of fear for little frightening things since this body then is a source of terror who then wouldn't despise it like they would some hated enemy We spend our days to find a technique of curing those illnesses of the body, hunger and thirst and the rest. To do so, we slaughter birds and fish and wild beasts of the forest, too. We lay in wait at crossroads. For it, for profit, and to win the honor others give us, we would even kill our parents. Stealing also things belonging to the triple gem. Passing on to burn for it. In the hell of endless torments, what wise man could ever then desire this body, care for it, and make unto it offerings? Who is it that wouldn't see the body as an enemy? Who then not disdain it, disdain it? so now, Master Shanti Deva is saying the objective. Or the objection that comes up for you when you say, when I say that a Bodhisattva would get on the bus last, then mostly what we think is, then I wouldn't get on the bus at all or I may miss the bus. And what, what would be harmed in that case? It would be your body. Your body doesn't get to get in front of other bodies. Maybe we'd be hungry or thirsty. We're doing all of these things for our body. It's not like the mind isn't hurt by this. Your enemy is the body. If it's really hungry, then you would kill animals to feed it, to get fame or other things. We would even hurt our parents or steal from the Dharma for our body. And Master Shantideva says, think about your body. Say you see a huge snake. Who are you scared for? Your body. You're afraid that the snake is going to hurt your body. Master Shandideva says, if you think about it, your body is much more scary than a snake. Your body is going to kill you. You could get cancer, AIDS. It gets uglier and uglier. It's really the scariest thing in the world. And we're doing all these bad things to take care of it. So don't do bad deeds for this body. It's going to hurt you much more, much more seriously than not getting on the bus, not getting to dinner on time. Why respect it so much? He says wise men should disdain it. Take minimum care of it, but don't suck up to it and become a slave to it. It demands certain behavior for its satisfaction that will cause your mind great suffering. And as you act on that ignorant instinct to only care for yourself, you do misdeeds to get the things that you want. So stop cherishing it. Usually it's this body that we do the bad deeds for. Identify the enemy, your own body, and don't hurt people to help this thing. This thing is the enemy. A good bodhisattva would choose to be the last person on the bus and to let others go first, but with pleasure. Contemplation 27. I really like this one. If I use it myself, what will I have to give others? Thinking of yourself and saying, if I give, what will I have for me, is nothing but demonic. To so think of others and to say, if I use this, what will I have to give is angel dharma. So when we we talked about expanding ourselves to others, mentally we put a limit on it. We think, okay, I can help one or two homeless people or something like that, but not three or four. And Master Davis says it's sick to worry. If I give too much away, what will I have? And he says, that thought is the devil. If I give away all my pizza, then there's nothing left for me. I have to save at least one slice. He says that way of thinking is demonic. He says it's, or um, geshe says it's like a Hitler mind state. The most evil thing. And as we get better at it, we should be looking around and thinking, wait, if I eat this, what will I have for, to give to these other people? What will these other people have if I eat this? If I spend this money, what will they have to use? You stop and make sure that everyone else has enough first. Because like we said before, they outnumber us, and it's democracy. They come first should not be worried about your, about what you're going to have. should think, if I eat this, what will I give to my friends who are coming over later? So it's these two thoughts, angels and devils. Say Z and Hla, Z and, La. Yeah. Z and And sometimes fla means an enlightened deity or pleasure being, but here it's the opposition to Z, which um, so it means angel. We have to learn to use our resources for others' benefit. We're prohibited from giving more than we can handle, like we've talked about before, but we should constantly evaluate what should be best for, what would be best for all parties, and gradually expand our generosity and our capacity will grow and grow and grow. And we have to keep fighting to expand that level. So we have to be practical, too. Carefully plan our virtues and then execute them. Okay, so we just have a little bit. We have two slides, and then we'll take a break. And then we'll be done with the first class. It's pretty good. Okay, not many words are needed. This is the holiest section in the guide in these following lines. Say, Jikten Dewa, Ji jik Ni, Pa Dekun, dekun. Shen Di, Du Le jum Jikten dukneo. ji ni Jini. Jini. Pa dekun. Pa dekun. Rang du. Ram de du. Le jung. jung. So the total amount of happiness that exists in the world has come from wanting to make others happy. The total amount of suffering that exists in the world has come from wanting to make yourself happy. And for this, there's no commentary. Master Shanti Shantideva says, just do it. You'll never be happy if you don't do it. And what our mind says is that there must be some kinds of pain that don't come from selfishness, but there's not. Every beautiful thing in the world exists because someone else served in their being. There isn't any good object in this entire world that isn't a product of someone taking care of someone else. And there isn't a single single suffering that didn't come from someone else being selfish. The children of the world work for their own own sake. The able Buddhas do their labor for the sake of others. Come and see the difference. slide for class nine. So we have to learn to practice the two most important Bodhisattva ideals. Say Dakshin Nyampa. Dakshin Nyampa. Dakshin Jewa. Dakshin "Dakshin Jewa. So we've been talking about these. Treat others and yourself exactly the same. Exchange self and others. Fight for others' happiness and to remove the their suffering before taking care of your own needs. If someone has pain, go and take care of it the same way you take care of your own pain. Go after other people's suffering and bring them happiness. First, before your own. And it's, it is really a radical idea. We're not hearing this anywhere else. Master Shanti Deva he wraps that up by saying, he doesn't need to tell us anything else. All we need to know is take care of other people first. Take care of them first. And it's little things like sitting with someone who's a little sad even though you're feeling crappy too, taking care of them, making sure someone else gets to serve themselves food first or gets to order first at a restaurant. And our opportunities are all of the people that are around us all the time and we have to take care of them first we just have to do it and it's much easier to work for all sentient beings than take care of the person next door or the people who are actually in our life because that is all sentient beings for us so if we see an opportunity to create some happiness we just have to go for it no hesitation and we just start with all these little good deeds all day long And what will happen is that we'll be happy, and that's how we get true happiness. And we can try it on a very wimpy, small level, and we'll still see the results. So we just have to do it. And we can do it, no problem. We just have to start. All right, we finished nine.